we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 37 months into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Uh, healthy and alive. Uh, doing well. How about yourself? I'm all right. I, uh, I've been enjoying the uh, uh, the new book that I've been reading. I'm reading uh, We Will Bury You by Jan Senja. It's really good. Uh, it's it's fantastic, actually. It's a, it's a memoir. Uh, he was the... Um, he was the highest ranking Communist Party member to ever defect to the West. And his his account, I can understand where he's coming from in in his respects. Uh, you know, we were, we were discussing a little bit of that in uh, in prep. And so I, I can understand. And I, I can also see how he got disillusioned, you know, once it once it got to the point where he started to see that uh, the Marxist-Leninist society is not all it was cracked up to be. You know, once once he got a little bit of um, insight on the onto the inside as to what was actually going on behind the scenes to get rid of people, uh, that's when he started to uh, have a differing of opinion. But yeah, I, I've been reading it. Um, I'm about about four or five chapters in uh, since yesterday, but uh, it's eye opening. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I understand why now why that book is so expensive, because they don't want people reading that. They don't want uh, people to see that th these high-level defectors like this turned against their own. So I, I can understand why. I, I don't like it, but I can understand why they try to keep books like this out of the hands of people. Yeah. And uh, before we started, you were kind of reading me little bits of it and talking about it. And um, unfortunately, some of that we're seeing in our own government, at least with the... Uh, th th there's an element of... Um, uh, you know, government uh, corruption and uh, stealing government funds, um, though we don't technically we, we call it money laundering uh, and, and it, it goes through other channels. But it, it's it's all the same. They're still uh, they're, they're still stealing. And then some of the other stuff you were talking about that um, the the what was it? The minister of justice or whatever. Yeah. Some of the, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the things that he was doing was just absolutely ridiculous. The red carpet. I, I quite enjoyed yeah. the red carpet. Bit. That, was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> For the sake of the listener, this, he was talking about in, in the, in the book, he was talking about this, this, uh, minister of justice. And the guy was just, everybody hated him. He was just grotesque because his ego was so big that I, I mean, to say that he couldn't fit in the front door of his, well, he had multiple houses, you know, villas and fat cars and, and all kinds of stuff. But uh, whenever he would travel around the country, he would just as one example, he would he would always have these two colonels with him and they would have to get out every time that the car stopped, they would have to get out and they would have to roll out this enormous red carpet for him to walk on. <laughs> this is 
this is the minister of justice. I mean, this is not like, you know, a dictator or something, you know, one of the, the you know, like the first secretary of the, of the Communist Party or anything. This is just a ministry of uh, a minister of justice. Uh, I, I could understand if he was visiting like San Francisco or something like that. You know, the red carpet, uh, that makes sense. But <laughs> I don't think they had that problem. No. Uh, at that no, time period. Not at all. No. This book was written in, um, well, it was published in, in 1982, I think. Uh, but yeah, th this uh, this book, it, it's very expensive. I was looking on eBay to see if any other copies had actually just come up. And there's two copies available that I found on eBay. One was 80 which is in dollars, it was around 100. And the other one was around 175. So that that's out of the, the price range of the average person. And I, again, I, that's not right. You go on Amazon, it's even more expensive than that. However, uh, and this is something else I've, I would like to mention, the National Archives have PDF copies of it and Kindle copies of it that are free of charge. If you have one of those devices, or you have the ability to read a PDF, then I would recommend and you're so inclined you want to read this. You know, it's a book that I recommend up to this point, of course, but it's available free of charge. You can go there and you can get it. Uh, there's nothing to sign up for or anything. You can just do a straight download. And one other thing, I won't be talking about this uh, throughout the rest of the week, but uh, some of this other research that we've we've found, some of these other uh, publications and things that are public, they're just very difficult to find or they're more or less, they're just unavailable. What we are going to be doing, and there's nothing illegal with what I'm about to say, you know, everything's everything's fine. What we're going to be doing is all of this information, all of this literature, if it is not available, we will go through the extra steps here to make it available, not just to our listeners, but to the world. We will be uploading all of our information that we have to the National Archives, so it will be available to everybody. This will no longer be unattainable by the time we're finished. That I'm happy to announce, because we're going to make sure that it's available for people, as it should have been all along. Agreed. Uh, I, I think that's a great idea. That was actually something I was going to uh, discuss with you off recording, is what do we do to make this more accessible? That's what we're going to do. We're going to put it in the National Archives and people are going to have free like access it. to it, free and open access to it. And then people can make their own minds up. So on to the news of the day. Big news, Bruce. Big news. There was an assassination, two assassination attempts on Putin. They say that they just foiled a third one. Now, I know just as well as you do, just as well as everybody else does, you know that Putin sleeps in the Kremlin, right? No? No. I didn't no? actually know that. No. No. He, no. He, no I he he that's because own, he doesn't. Uh, no, that's because he doesn't. Yeah. 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 I was going to say he has his own place. Yeah. He has his own his own place. Well, he also has, you know, many retreats and things like that. Um, I was going to say places. Is probably yeah. More accurate. And, and I'm yeah. pretty sure uh, again, and this is not a pro Putin uh, talk I'm giving here, believe me, because we've made our standpoint pretty clear on all this, if you haven't figured that out by now. But this um, idea that, well, uh, there was a second attempt on him at one of his many residences. I'm betting that they don't know exactly where he is at all times. Wow. That, that's crazy to think that yeah yeah dictator isn't known wow yeah yeah i know it's just it, it's crazy bruce i've got the footage here of the uh, the two attempts okay now this is over top of the kremlin this is what uh, the, russia has released okay this is this is over top of the kremlin so you can see clearly this is the first attempt and then the second so here we go there's the drone and it exploded about 100 feet above its target. But this footage right here, this footage, just this section of it right here, this is what they released initially was just this. So when you look at it like this, it looks like something crashed into it. No, the drone exploded about 100 feet above its intended target. Now, why would a drone 
explode above its target when it's a kamikaze drone. Isn't it supposed to fly into its target and then detonate? Isn't that the idea? And the, the other question I have is, why at night, when the fire is most visible, were there multiple people recording with their smartphone this going on? When a drone flying in uh -huh. like this, especially nowadays, a drone flying in general is not some reason to pull out your phone and start recording. They're already recording this specific location where, like, the bomb goes off in the middle of the screen, like, they were waiting for it. That just seems suspicious right off the bat, that they have at least two different angles of, of this. And the fact that Putin wasn't there in the middle of the night in the Kremlin. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, uh, as you said, he doesn't stay in, in his where he's staying isn't publicly known. Um, not only that, but the rumors going around is that he's concerned that there would be some kind of assassination attempt. So whether that's true or not. Uh, well, I mean, clearly the video shows it is true, right? Um, oh, of they're, course. They're clearly of out course. there trying to assassinate him. Of course. Of course, that's what this is. The close confidant of, of Vladimir Putin, Dmitry Medvedev, has said that I have to get his actual statement because I don't want to boss this. Wouldn't you know, Bruce, they're going to use this as a, as a way to escalate. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? Oh. I, I never would have guessed. I, yeah, there was. OK, so we, we were kind of talking about this in prep. Um, this kind of fits in here. Uh, with escalation. There's been multiple other times that Ukraine has said, Russia's not going to escalate and do X, Y, Z. And then Russia did exactly that a week later or within the week. You know, the, the one that uh, right off the bat that I remember was they're not going to come in and mess with the nuclear reactor that was there in Ukraine. They won't do anything to that. They won't mess with it, blah, 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 right? And they went and did that. They've been saying that Russia's not going to nuke. I, I'm not so sure now. At first, I was kind of of the opinion, okay, if Russia uses nukes, that's going to be like massive escalation. Um, we, we would see um, retaliation by, uh, you know, NATO, the EU, the United States. You would see something. Uh, I'm not so sure now, um, particularly because of our current president and the fact that the EU seems to be, uh, you know, compromised as well. If if Russia were to use a um, a nuke, a tactical nuke, which is very limited in scope, um, as an example, a bunker buster, um, a nuclear bunker buster would technically be a, a tactical nuke. They could use something like that. And I'm not sure that the U.S. or Europe will do anything about it. Like they won't retaliate. I, I, I don't think anything will happen. But uh, you pointed out um, that they have to they have to use a nuke at some point. Uh, in the near future, because they need to see what our reaction is going to be. And this is the perfect instance to test the waters to see what the U.S. will do uh, in preparation for uh, Taiwan, in preparation for any other maneuvers, uh, potentially Poland or, you know, what have you that Russia intends to do. Um, they need to know. This is the official statement from uh, Dmitry Medvedev's uh social media. It says, quote, after today's terrorist attack, terrorist attack, there are no options left except for the physical elimination of Zelensky and his cabal. So they need an actual example that they can use. They need something that they can use to escalate. Now, I don't know if it's going to be, as I was saying to you in prep, Bruce, I, I don't know if it's going to be this to use the actual uh, nuclear limited nuclear strike that they need, but they're at least at the very minimum, they're going to use this as a point of escalation. So I, I don't 
I don't think that, uh, and I, I'm in agreement with you, I don't think you're going to see any kind of a response from the West, but they need to know. There's something that Russia and China need to know that they don't know. Actually, there's two things. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. There's two things. The first thing is they need to know that when they launch any kind of a, uh, even a short range, even if it's a tactical nuclear weapon, they need to know if it's actually going to launch because they tend to skip some steps and sometimes things become compromised. And because of the way that their systems are, you can't admit fault with anything. Otherwise, you're going to be in some serious trouble. So you just say, oh, it's a success. And that's the way that it is. And you just, you go with it. So they need to know that when they push a button uh, or multiple buttons, they need to know that it's actually going to work. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they don't know. They need to know if we, as you said, they need to know if we are going to respond or how we will respond to that. I believe it'll be something limited in scope. It will be at some kind of maybe a secondary or possibly a third target somewhere. Nothing priority. It won't be anything priority. It won't be like a major military installation or uh, a magazine stockpile or anything like that. It'll be something off to the side. And again, it'll be something that they blame on someone else. Just like the drone attack, it'll be something that they blame on someone else because they can't be seen as the ones that actually do it. They can't do that. The redirection always has to be there. That's part of the playbook. Yeah, I agree. In reference to what the Ukrainians were saying about the nukes, uh, they were saying they will not use them in Crimea uh, to, you know, something along the lines of Crimea. They can't use them in Ukraine. They can't use them in Ukraine, let, let alone in Crimea. It's too late. Putin's already played the card. Putin kind of put himself in a position where when they invaded, uh, which they call it a, a denazification special military operation. But when they did that, he said that Ukrainians were Russians. So you can't, by, yeah. just for the political thing in and of itself, just for the politics of it, you can't do anything now. You've already burned that bridge. So he can't launch anything down there, even if you wanted to. I think he could. And there's there's a reason. There's a reason, I think, or that I put out the fact that a bunker buster, a, a nuclear bunker buster is still a tactical nuke. Um, I, I, I could see them trying to use it to take out uh, Zelensky. As an example, they tried to assassinate us using, uh, you know, drones or whatever. Zelensky has to be removed. This is a retaliatory action. Zelensky's hiding in some bunker. We hit the bunker with a, a you know, a nuclear bunker buster. I could see something like that happening. The 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 problem is, um, I'd have to look it up now that it. I, I remember. I don't know if Russia has a nuclear bunker buster. There's only a handful of countries that do, and I know we're. Uh, we're one of the ones that have it. Let me see. Pretty sure Russia should have one. Mm-mm. No definitive answer on that. That's something that's being held um, close to the chest, it seems. We've had them since the late 90s um, nuclear bunker busters, it, it looks like. I thought we'd had them for um, a while. I, we developed them for the uh, use in the Iraq war, I believe. That was the whole point of them. Uh, well, uh, the ones in the 90s. So originally we had them before then. Uh, it looks like during the cold war we had developed some and then we revisited them in 2001 the the ones we had back in the uh during the cold war was to specifically counter a russian military base uh or a military uh, facility uh what is it kovinsky kovinsky mountain something like that anyway there's a military base there that was supposed to be resistant to everything we had and so we developed a bunker buster but anyway all that to say 
I imagine the Russians probably have something similar. They also have bunkers but, that we don't have the ability to reach. Uh, as, as far as right. I know, uh, they have basically underground cities that are a thousand plus feet underground. Uh, and we don't have anything, even with current munitions, we don't have anything to be able to, to touch that. I think that's his, uh, this is one of the uh, Kavinsky, Kozvinsky, I think it says. Anyway, it's protected by about 300 meters of granite. And that's mm. that's the specific reason we we designed the nuclear bunker buster was to try I to see. Uh, be able to penetrate something like that. I see. OK. All right. Well, you got anything else on the uh, uh, on the attempt here before we move on? No, I'm in agreement. This may not result in a nuclear uh, exchange, but it definitely is going to be used to um, escalate. I, I agree. You mentioned to me, was it yesterday or the day before, that you saw some some news articles that there was a Russian service submarine that was patrolling around the uh, the Nord Stream pipeline before it met a uh, a catastrophic end. Yeah. So there's. Um I think it was like a Danish paper that was reporting this, if I remember right. Um, and they were saying that there is reports of not a submarine, but the support vessel being there for a specific submarine. And they have the identifiers for the ship um, that was spotted. Um, but it was spotted in the area of, of where the bomb or supposed bomb uh, went off uh, for that Nord Stream pipeline. So there seems to be at least some reporting out there that it was not the Americans, but it was, in fact, the Russians that did it to themselves, which I fully believe personally. I'm on board with that as well. We we had gone through the process of what we believed happened uh, in order to start the ball rolling on the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline. Again, I'm I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised by the response from the so-called alternative media. The New York Times put out a piece echoing what you were just talking about, how the uh, the Russian service submarine was caught near the um, uh, the, the site of the, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline before it blew up. The alternative media sites are running with the opposite agenda. Now, again, I, I'm not crediting the New York Times here because, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. But we talked about the other things that the New York Times wasn't talking about as to how it could be one way or the other. So it doesn't matter, in my humble opinion, based on the context that we gave you in that podcast. If you want to go back and listen to the Nord Stream Pipeline podcast that we did, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was about three or four weeks ago that we did it. We explained the connections and gave you context behind that. And we told you where you could go in order to verify that for yourself. We're not taking Seymour Hersh's word for it like all the other alternative media networks did. And they're still doing it. The New York Times comes out with that piece a couple of days ago talking about how it could have possibly been the Russians that did it. And all of the alternative media, what does that do? Because of the dialectic, because they're trapped in the dialectic, they automatically say, oh, well, just because the New York Times said that that's what it is, then why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? Who has the most to gain? Does anybody stop to think about that? No, they don't. They don't bother to think about what the wider implications of that could be. Why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? Why wouldn't they? Look at what they want to do to Europe. Then you can understand with that context, then you can understand why they did it. So, yeah, I still maintain one way or the other. I don't care what The New York Times says. I don't care what Seymour Hersh says. I, I don't care. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you look at the, the career of Seymour Hersh 
and I'm not trying to slander him, but if you go back and you look at the career of Seymour Hersh, he is, throughout his career, he's been very sympathetic to the Soviet Union and what is the Russian Federation today. He's been very sympathetic to them, all the way back into the uh, the days of, uh, of Panama with the, the days of Noriega. So I don't see how now would be any different. Now, all of a sudden, he's 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 implicating the U.S., what fits perfectly if he is one of their transmission belts, doesn't it? Certainly does. Because they can't be seen as the ones saying, yep, it was the Americans that did it. Of course, they're not going to say that. They're going to use a third party to do that. Bruce, did you know that we lost $8 billion to the Taliban? I would argue we probably lost more than $8 billion, but uh, just what was this cash that we lost to them? Uh, I believe um, it's cash, yeah. Did did we lose it to them or did was it another one of those pallet deliveries that the Obamas, you know how they did that? I wonder if it no. was one of those. No, no, no. Mm. See, this is this is after we withdrew. Oh, oh, oh. So they didn't have the the foresight to not have pallets of cash and just left them instead of taking them with them. Is that is that what I'm I'm Well, no. No, 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 no. After we withdrew, Mm -hmm. the pallets of cash continued to arrive. Oh, oh, so... Yeah. In the government's all-seeing eye, it's perfect execution of operations. It failed to cancel those shipments. Huh. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, John Sopko, the Special Inspector General to Afghanistan Reconstruction, or CIGAR, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah, yeah they, have to, they have to use a, a funny little anagram like that. Uh, he testified before the House Oversight Committee. He says, and I'm quoting, Unfortunately, as I sit here today, I cannot assure this committee or the American taxpayer we are not currently funding the Taliban. Eh, of course we are. They're, they're businesslike and professional. We gave them a whole bunch of hardware. I mean, yeah, of course we're funding them to a degree. Of course. Of course we are. Not to mention every other country in the region that would love to get their hands on all that stuff, which they, I'm sure they just so happily handed over to reverse engineer. He continued, nor can I assure you that the Taliban are not diverting the money we are sending from the intended recipients, which are the poor Afghan people. Uh-huh. Poor Afghan people were the intended recipients of that cash. Of course. Of course. Um, why exactly were we sending cash down to the uh, Afghan people when maybe I'm um, a little narrow minded, but um, are the are the Afghan people, are they American citizens? No, I don't think oh, so. OK, so why are we sending money down there to them? Well, well, when no, we see, have they, they explained, they explained. No, I, I, I'm okay. inclined to okay. agree with you. But they, they explained here. Mm. They say that uh, this, according to the administration, they have repeatedly stressed that this aid is strictly going towards humanitarian efforts via non-governmental organizations and other humanitarian aid organizations. Okay, if it's from a humanitarian aid, why did you send cash to a country that doesn't have the supply of the uh, food, medical supplies, clothing? Why, why are you sending cash there when you can't buy those resources in country? So why aren't you sending the resources themselves and spending the cash at home, as an example? Bruce, you're talking about logic. You're talking about common mm. sense. How dare you? We don't have room for either of those things. Can't you see there are starving people? Yeah, it, it, it seems like to me this is a Soviet um, Ministry of Justice that, it does, um, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems something like that, where they're stealing money from the American people. Rolling saying, out their own red oh, carpets. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, 
So yeah, we're we're sending pallets of cash over to the Taliban, and I guarantee you that probably hasn't stopped. I don't care what uh, the head of uh, Cigar says there to the House Oversight Committee. I guarantee you that's probably still going on, if not directly. And that's God. Why? It just uh, why? I, I I get. We expect our politicians to be doing what's good and right for America and and Americans and the Constitution. And following the Constitution, why are we sending money to our enemies? Who in Congress thought that was a good idea? And now, if it wasn't Congress that didn't send the money over there, it should be like on the forefront of Congress to figure out who did, because they're the only ones with the purse strings. They're the only ones that have control of it. So I guarantee why, why did the money show up? I guarantee that it was probably buried in one of these thousand page bills somewhere. That's the only thing probably. I can surmise with this. Just like the uh, the newest thing that I heard today, we're sending now $500 million to the Pakistani government for transgender youth education. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's yeah. good. Let's, let's export the mutilation of kids. Uh, that's good. Uh, that's great. To a zero tolerance society. To a zero tolerance society. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's brilliant. It is. It is. And to talk about more bloated government waste, let's talk about the international robbery. So you know what? I do that every time. Mm. Every single time. I do that every time. I meant to say the Internal Revenue Service, you know, the, those wonderful tax collecting people, you know, that the militant arm of the central banks that, you know, the ones that that rake in all your cash, everything that mm. you spend money on. Now, I'm, I'm not against taxes. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not against taxes per se. Per se, I'm for a local tax, not a, not this whole school tax, because I don't I don't agree with the fact that you're paying for uh, a school when you don't have any children in it. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry, I just don't. We can argue and, and we can quibble about little taxes and things like that. I'm I'm not here to do that. I'm not against a, a local tax. I'm not against a state tax. I am against a federal tax to an extent. If we're going to be taxed at the federal level, that money needs to go to national defense, not overseas spending all of it. But we need to talk about national defense, as in what we're going to do to defend ourselves against our enemies around the world. That's what we should be spending federal taxes on. None of these other pet projects that they've got going on, none of this pork barrel crap that any of the rhinos or the Democrats throw up to bankrupt the nation. Agreed. Honestly, uh, th this whole, well, unfortunately, I would love to sit down and have debates about taxes and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, there's... Um, uh, if if I had the time to sit down with a politician and argue those things, I would be arguing other things, unfortunately. Like, I, I agree that taxes are theft. Um, and I would love to see, um, really, I would like to see it the way it used to be in that uh, the taxation on a, a, you know, like the, the income tax as an example, that gets abolished. Basically, we see the entire abolishment of the tax code completely. The IRS just removed everything that they, um, you know, all those weapons that they bought and everything, get that repurposed and sent over to the military and all those employees. Um, see you later. Good luck finding work elsewhere. Uh, and then um, taxation, it should only be, it should be one of, right? It should not be like um, taxing uh, the, the things you purchase and then your your wages and then, uh, you know, your inheritance or your property and all if you, I, I think property taxes is wholly unconstitutional. Uh, like it, you own the land, you own the you land, own the land. It's yours. Yeah. 
but you if you're paying a tax on the land that you own that means you're renting the land from the government you don't actually own the land so uh, i i think that's wholly unconstitutional anyway all that to say either we have a sales tax and that's it or we have like uh, a tax on the income that you have right just the income and that's it nothing else no other tax and then the federal government gets a percentage of whatever the state makes so if the state has you know a, let's say a sales tax and on non-essential goods. So sales tax, you don't get a sales tax on food. No, no, no sales tax there. But, you know, luxury items and all that. Okay, fine. 10% of that or roughly that as goes to the federal government. I'm fine with it being that way. And then every single department that's in the government is abolished. Everything. Everything is gone. The only thing that you are allowed to do now is military. That's it. And and so along with that, go, that goes along with that is like border you know, if you do trade deals, you know, interacting with other countries on behalf of the states, that's part of your job. That's it. Past that, nothing, nothing, nothing more past that. There shouldn't be a NASA as, as, as great as the moonshot was, that should not be government. Uh, we, we don't need a federal organization doing that. We can do that in the private sector. We've seen that now with, well, at least, uh, Elon Musk, but there, there's, um, the, NASA the, still has oh, the Virgin Galactic. Yeah, yeah, well, that's back. He's filed. Well, he's filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is um, you had uh, Virgin Galactic, they uh, or whatever their name was. I think that's what yeah. it was. Anyway, Virgin they they filed or, yeah, for bankruptcy. Orbital or Virgin whatever Orbit, maybe or something. Yeah. yeah, and then you had um, uh, was it Blue Origin, uh, the Amazon one. Yeah, uh, or Bezos. Um, yeah. That one's still going, but and they're. The phallic rocket. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to say it, but we were both thinking the same thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what it looks yeah. like. It's just it, it does. It. And you know he yeah. did that on purpose too. You you know that's why he did it. I I I don't know that he did it on purpose. I'm sure one of the engineers did it on, on purpose as kind of like a disgruntled employee thing. So speaking of the IRS, listen to this list of expenditures that they have uh, they've been spending the, the hard-earned taxpayer money on because I mean every IRS agent needs this, right? Listen to this. They have spent 10 million dollars of US taxpayer money on the following since the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, so this is not something that's gone on. I mean, it has gone on for the last 20, 25 years, but 10 million just in the last three years. Listen to what they have bought. They're buying guns, they're buying ammunition, and they're buying combat gear. $10 million on this stuff. A report which was put out by uh, Open the Books, they FOIA'd this. So Freedom of Information Act, they pulled this. And they published it just a few days ago, and they found that the agency spent a total of $10 million on weaponry and tactical gear since the COVID-19 pandemic began. They break it down. $2.3 million on duty ammunition. Do you know what that is? That's hollow point ammunition. Under the Geneva Convention, you can't actually use that in a war. You have to use full metal jacket. Hollow point ammunition? $2.3 million. The IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the tax collectors, $1.2 million on ballistic riot shields, tax collectors, and another $1.3 million on various other gear for criminal investigation agents. What in the name of all things that are sacred and holy do the IRS agents need with that? 
Additionally, oh, you think that's all? No, 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 no. Additionally, the agency has spent $474,000 on Smith & Wesson rifles, $463,000 on Beretta 1301 tactical shotguns, and $243,000 on body armor vests since 2020. You think they're gearing up for something? You think they're preparing for something? Oh, it gets worse. They spent another $467,000 on duty tactical lighting. You know those little tack lights you put on your guns? That stuff? What do they need that for? They spent an additional $354,000 on tactical gear bags and $267,000 on ballistic helmets during the same time period. I don't know what else to call this other than what the report called this, and that is the militarization of a federal bureaucracy. Would you call that anything else? I think the only thing they're missing here is uh, is some armored personnel carriers. Why don't you give them that too, if they're spending this kind of money? The only thing these people need is maybe a new clipboard, a fountain pen, a pocket protector, and possibly a filing cabinet or two. That's it. Mm. I mean, uh, I would argue that, if, that, if we're going to abolish them, then, you know, I, I, was I, say, I would say you don't need any of that. Yeah. Now, I, I've made this claim before in the past, and I'll make it again here. And especially now, I'll double, triple and quadruple down on this one after seeing this garbage. If I were the president of the United States, I don't care. I don't care. You're getting executive ordered and that building is padlocked tomorrow morning and you're all fired. I don't care what you have left in your desk. You're not coming back in the building. That building will be bulldozed by dawn tomorrow. There's no excuse for this. None whatsoever. None. That needs to be stopped, and that needs to be stopped yesterday. I don't know who authorized this. Who authorized this? That's what I want to know. Where's the Congressional and and the House Oversight Committee on this? Does somebody on the Hill, one of these these, uh, illustrious uh, outsiders like uh, uh, Matt Gaetz or or Marjorie Taylor Greene or or any of these people, do one of these enlightened individuals, do you want to shed some light on why the IRS needs this? Chip Roy? Jim Jordan? Anybody? I haven't heard anything from them that there was some bill or something like that, or it was hidden in a bill. I haven't heard any of those kind of things that it was hidden in there. This may be just them saying, uh, we're taking some of our budget and we're buying these things. Uh, They did ask for a budget increase. I I do remember that. Still, the IRS Uh, doesn't have oversight. They they don't have oversight. Congress is supposed to. It's supposed to. uh, But clearly they're not doing it. And uh, for the sake of um, my understanding... What they say? Uh, it was Smith and Wesson. What? 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 What kind of weapons? Smith and Wesson. Thirteen oh one tactical shotguns. Well, that was the the shotgun. There was something else. There was another one that you said before that. Um, oh, the Smith. Smith uh, I'm Wesson. sorry. That was the uh, that was the Beretta. Excuse me, Beretta thirteen oh one tactical the shotguns. Uh, the thirteen. Uh, I'm getting my stuff mixed up here. I'm looking at like two or three different things. Uh, Four hundred and seventy four thousand dollars. It just says on Smith and Wesson rifles. Okay, so for those uneducated in firearms, uh, Smith and Wesson rifles. Um, they're fairly well known for making things like. M4 carbines. They also make some other uh, DMR style. Uh, we'll, we'll say just AR-15 uh, for for the sake of of brevity, because that they they all fire the same caliber. It's just um, you know slightly different uh, designs and the fire rate. That I, I imagine is probably what they bought as a bunch of M4s. Okay, I have an explanation. There have been some concerns raised that the IRS has been allocated $80 billion in funding. And $45.6 billion of that is considered to be, quote, for enforcement. And do you know how they got that? Uh, some thousand-page bill. You got it. It was called the Inflation Reduction Act. Of course it was. Of course it was. 
So they're enforcing the IRS. They have their own personal military now. That's bureaucracy. It's not, there is no elected official there. And they're going to enforce what I can only surmise and guess, probably ESG standards uh, going forward. The digital currency that we're talking about that's coming in July, uh, that's not technically a digital currency. It's a digital transaction system that is the baseline, that that's the foundational point that you need for a uh, digital currency. Who better? than the IRS to enforce financial rules. Uh, so why not empower the IRS to uh, do exactly that? That's what it seems like is going on here, is uh, this could be another push for that, or it could be something on the lines of, um, we're going to change taxation. Uh, for example, if you fail to meet ESG standards, then your taxes are going to be increased. Your uh, insurance rates are going to go up. If you can't pay, well, then you're going to have to foreclose. And you're going to have your door kicked in by an IRS agent. I I, I really hope that's not the case. I really hope that um, what else would they do? We're, we're just being hyperbolic. I know that's the problem. Is what other explanation than a bunch of pencil pushers having uh, getting tactical gear, going through tactical training? We we've I, I seen them going through the room clearance I, and everything. Yeah, training. yeah, yeah. That that was re that was sad. Is what that was. That was really sad. That, that was. But if that was the first training, I could understand why that went so poorly. None of them were were uh, really ready for any of that. No. Um, and least but, of all, and I'm not being condescending, and I'm I, I mean nothing against disabled people whatsoever. I know people that are disabled, but the guy in the wheelchair did not belong in tactical firearms training. No, no, he didn't. He he should be able, like if you're if. I would say that you should know how to fire a firearm, period, yeah, course, as an American. That that should be like standard. But and, you know, someone in a wheelchair should very they should have uh, a firearm. But you being a government agent that is going to be kicking in doors. Uh, there's the problem right there. Kicking in doors. You're in a wheelchair. Doesn't it doesn't work. Doesn't fit. Are they going <laughs> unless I, I'm being I'm I'm okay. This is this is insensitive, but it's 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 meant as a joke. Unless you have that guy holding the ballistic shield and you're pushing him around <laughs> in front of you. That okay? Yeah, that that I yeah. could yeah I could see that it with with their logic I could see that we're not putting <laughs> any of this militarization. I I mean to be honest with you, I could justify to myself this type of militarization in a federal agency if this was going to say the border patrol. I could understand that. Especially Agreed. dealing with with what was going with what's going on down on that border, but again, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because well, there's not really a problem down there on the southern border, is there, Bruce? Is there a problem on the southern border? No, of course not. No, this is this is all sanctioned. Uh, we we're inviting all peoples across the border to say someone is an illegal alien. That is to violate. That's to say they are not human. That's to violate their human rights. So having an open border is the morally correct option. I couldn't agree more. So I'm being sarcastic, of course. But here to yes. explain is the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, because she can only explain it best to those of us that just don't understand what's going on on the U.S. southern border. He has tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has it has um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90 percent. And that's because oh. of this act, the actions that this president has taken. 
You see, Bruce, illegal immigration has come down by 90 percent because of the actions that this president has taken. And yet we have had more illegal immigrants under this administration than any other administration before it combined. Yeah, we we totally reduced it. That That's that. God, how how. I think we've had 4 million. Yeah, I think we've had 4 million come in since this administration started. I think that's what the number was I I heard from the Border Patrol. They estimate 4 million. At least, yeah, Uh, that we know of. We, we don't know how many others have been in it. We don't know how many people have been trafficked. We don't know how many uh, pounds of fentanyl is coming across the border. We don't know any of those things, but good grief. You, you, did you hear about the, uh, uh, what was it, like a million dollars? I forget how much it was. It was like a million dollars or multiple millions of dollars worth of fentanyl that was accidentally delivered to a restaurant. Accidentally? And they had some du- <laughs> accidentally. accidentally, yeah. You're they, right. The restaurant, the, well, the restaurant legitimately was expecting like, uh, a delivery of like, um, uh, I, I don't know if it was like plastic ware or, uh, or, or, you know, something they were expecting. Oh, okay. It and was a legit mistake. Was that it was legit wow. mistake. And some dude showed up and was like, Hey, you, I think you got my package and was trying to get the fentanyl from them. Oh my uh, God. Of course, law enforcement arrested yeah. them, of course, but yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of that fentanyl. Yeah. All of that fentanyl. And it was. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of fentanyl. There was a lot there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I told you last week, you know, the uh, the Mexican president, you know, he's enlisted the help of the Chinese Communist Party to help him tackle that fentanyl problem down there. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, they're not shipping enough across the border. So they're they're trying to increase it. So they're asking China yeah. to send more deliveries. Yeah. yeah. Could you please help us? Please help us with this fentanyl problem. We, we don't know what's going on with it. In other words, send us more. <laughs> yeah, logistical issues. You know, we're we're having uh, you know, uh, logistical issues. We we're, we're that just that whole chain is is kind of backed up. You know, so just give us a hand, China. You know, just just help us get across yeah. the border. Quicker. Help us help us with that port in Tijuana that that you run, please. Help us with that. Help us with the uh, the logistical supply line that you have going up to the U.S. border. Help us with that. Uh huh. All right, Bruce, last topic. Do you want to talk about the U.S. Navy? Do you want to talk about the new study that's out on the essential staple food that we call meat? Or do you want to talk about the police refusing to release the manifesto of the shooter in Nashville? We only have time for one. Well, we already kind of touched on the Navy. uh, Well, military in general, that um, it's pretty screwed. Uh, and then you said what? Uh, what was what was the other one in between the manifesto and that one? We've got the uh, the new study that's out talking about that how meat, meat is study. crucial, yeah, to um, uh, to the human let's, diet. Let's do the meat one. That that okay. one's a little bit more yeah, yeah. lighthearted, if you will. Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, dozens of experts were asked to look into the science behind claims that meat eating causes disease and is harmful for the planet in an issue of a journal called Animal Frontiers. Thousands of scientists across the globe joined in the, quote, Dublin Declaration, which is a group stating that livestock farming is important to society and it cannot become the victim of vegan zealotry. They say that the negative claims about meat in the human diet are simply not true. The Dublin Declaration group has published a statement allowing global signatories to join them in defending meat-supported diets and contradicting common claims made by the establishment institutions against livestock and agriculture. In particular, the scientists stress that meats from animals 
animal proteins provide vitamin B12 intake as in, in the human diets, which you've mentioned many yep. times before, which play a major role in supplying retinol, omega-3 fatty acids, and minerals such as iron and zinc. This is all true. As well as important compounds for metabolism, such as taurine and creatine. Again, this is why... This is why people that are heavy into the bodybuilding, that's why they, they eat that stuff, because it's a natural protein. You can get the synthesized stuff, but it's not as good. There is no vegan equivalent that fills these nutritional needs, and a number of supplements are often required to keep them healthy. Again, this is what you have yep. mentioned time and again. You cannot get the same nutrients from this, this vegan diet that they give you with all this fake crap, this like meat, this like chicken, this like whatever, you know, all that stuff, that soy garbage. You know, I just feel like crap after I eat that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't eat it, but whenever I try or or I, you know, go to, a, I, I don't know, one of these these restaurants just to just to go because I'm, I don't want to be rude. You know, I'll, sure. I'll get the most harmless thing that I can think of. And I just feel awful. I feel like a doormat after I leave there. And, and, I, and I'm hungry two hours later. It's no wonder these people look they, they look just undernourished, malnourished. That's what they look like. Now, I'm not I'm not criticizing people that choose that. If you want to be that, go ahead. I have no problem. I have nothing against you. Don't tell me that's what I have to be. That's where we have a problem. And don't force your kids to do this. Don't force your pets to do this. Don't force other people to do this lifestyle. Uh, far be it from me to to tell you what you should and should not teach your kids, but your kids need that nutrients that you get. They, they need all they can get. And then when they reach the age to make their own decision, you should allow them to make their own decision. Don't condition them to be, you know, oh, it's immoral for me to eat meat and blah, blah, blah. Just, yeah. They argue. Yeah, they argue in this, this study here that uh, they say that this is only being forced upon us. I don't see India taking to this. I don't see China taking to this. I don't see the Russians taking to this or the Koreans or anything else. I, I don't see that. I don't see the Africans or the South Americans taking to any of this. Mm -hmm. I don't. No. This is all being forced on us. They say that only well-resourced, which would be us, well-resourced people, have the means to abandon meat in their diets and consume vegetables and carbs alone. In other words, veganism is a first world ideology that is impractical for the majority of the global population. India is a developing nation, and they have cited anti-meat activists for its religious stance against killing animals. And they still have a 70% meat-eating population in India. They're not going to give that up. And I guarantee you, this is not being pushed upon them either. Yeah. Um, and being in a first world country, I'm sorry, if you're going to come at me for, I will go out of my way to raise cattle myself to butcher and eat meat. That is my dedication to eating meat. Not because it, it, it's some cult or ritual or what have you, but because I legitimately think a, a, a good diet of meat, you know, in moderation with uh, other things, you know, that that's the key to all of this moderation. It, it, it's it's part of a healthy diet. That That's just my opinion. And honestly, I've made this argument before. If you believe in evolution, right, because obviously as a Christian and I don't, but if you believe it, uh, let me let me specify, there's like 14 different types of evolution. When you look at the definition, the the idea that we evolve from apes or pond scum, if you really go back far enough, 
Um, the idea that we came from that, I disagree. Okay. I, I do agree that there's evolution that happens, but that's also called adaptation. There, there's, there's a difference and it's not something that is like you evolve and then that gene is passed on to the next generation. Um, that typically does not happen. And in fact, the experiments that we've done to try to get that to happen don't work, which then it doesn't mean it's evolution at that point. That means it's creationism because you're a intelligent being, uh, pushing, uh, evolution. You're, you're causing a change, but anyway. Intelli- uh, you know, intelligent design. Yeah, and I would just like to point out, I don't believe, and, and I, I could be mistaken on this, but I don't think that I am. I don't believe we have an actual example that we can point to other than the theory, again, the theory yeah. of evolution. We don't have an actual example that we can point to to say that one species, no matter what it is, has ever evolved into another. Well, that's because it's it's already happened. Those conditions aren't on yes, Earth it, anymore. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't stop. So it doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't stop. I know. If, I, if I, we I evolved from a from a from a primate, a knuckle dragon primate, then theoretically they should still be doing that. If we evolved from yeah, apes, as be. Darwin yeah. would would have you believe, then yeah. that process doesn't stop. It still should be continuing because we still have the primates here. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at it in, in a rational sense here is, is all. The, the difference between, um, uh, so they say it's like three chromosomes or something like that between uh, some primates and humans. The three chromosomes are millions and millions of data points. Um, just to have one chromosome difference can mean the death of an organism. Um, but we well, actually, we see what happens with one chromosome difference in humans. We see what happens yeah. to that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but all that to say, if you believe in evolution, why the hell are you trying to change your diet overnight so rapidly when we've evolved having meat and, uh, you know, uh, vegetables and, you know, we've evolved having this in our diet for a very long time. Why all of a sudden are we going to change this overnight if you're an evolutionist? Um, and then if you're a Christian, you already know that, you know, you, you know, the, the, the Jewish traditions and teachings. And then, you know, the, the um, I think it was um, Paul that had the, uh, the vision on top of the house that, uh, of the, you know, uh, the, the table coming down or the, you know. A tray coming down with all the food and it was pork and everything as well and and you know don't reject basically or or curse that which i have blessed uh, all that to say we're free to eat whatever now uh, as gentiles and as christians um we're not under those same laws but anyway uh the religious side out if you're evolutionary thinking uh you should not be uh saying we should get rid of meat that should be a process that um evolves on its own it, it should not be something that is a overnight we're going to change this because then you're going to have deficiencies and then oh but wait no see we could do a more sustainable source of those those proteins and do bugs i'm sorry we haven't evolved eating bugs we evolved eating other animals so again sticking with the evolutionary line of thinking insects is not an, a viable option nor is synthetic meat no 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 it's not and and nor is it an ecological 
an, an ecologically sound, I should say, uh, option either. Because when you start moving a species that doesn't belong in a specific part of the world to another part of the world, don't tell me that these wonderful, uh, intelligent scholars and and brave people of the, the you know the creators of the new utopia don't tell me that they're going to be competent enough to keep this stuff contained because they're certainly not. The ecological disaster never, that never this happens. will that this will cause. No, it'll never happen. The ecological disaster alone, outside of the replacement of a food source, the ecological disaster would be would would be reprehensible. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. We, I mean, we we still have like panthers in this part of the country. Not not mountain lions. Not no. We're we're talking black cats. Uh, panthers. We still have those here in Oklahoma area. Because of some, uh, I don't know, it was like a circus or something years ago is what the rumor was. Um, they they lost uh, their panthers, like they escaped. And of course, they've bred and, and grown. We still have them today. So it, it, if we can't do it with something that large, how the hell do you think we're going to do it with with like a mealworm-sized uh, insect? It's not going to happen. That's this stuff is going to break loose and, and get out to... As you said, it's going to destroy ecosystems by doing this or cause great damage to them. And th th that's something that I just... It's like you guys don't have... Goal. Yeah, well, maybe it is. You guys don't have scorpions in Oklahoma, do you? Yeah, we do. Do you? Yeah. They're, they're not... It's not... We have more rattlesnakes than we do scorpions, but we do have scorpions here. Yeah. Okay. And I do believe you, you also have tarantulas as well, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine in a place like where I come from in Ohio, we don't have scorpions. We don't have tarantulas. If you start bringing that stuff into a place where it doesn't belong, the ecosystem is going to suffer very badly from that. Mm, yep. Not to mention the human population. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work. Just like everything else they do that they claim is some grandiose virtue of some utopia that they're trying to build. It's just another system that has its its seeds of its own destruction woven into it before it ever gets started. Have you, uh, sorry, this is, this is kind of a fun little tidbit. Unlike snipe hunting, have you ever been scorpion hunting at night? Unlike snipe, snipe hunting, hunting, this is really? a legitimate thing. I was a I was a Boy Scout, really. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's for, if you're not initiated and don't know what snipe hunting is, uh, ask your outdoors friend; they'll tell you. In fact, they'll take you are, snipe hunting. They are fast. They are fast. I'll, yeah, they I'll, are I'll fast. give you that. They, they, are, they fast. are fast. Now, scorpions, though, you can go out at night with a um, a black light. And that that's actually really cool to see scorpions glowing like they yeah, do they uh, yeah. at night. That, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That is interesting. Yeah. All right, my friend, we're going to go ahead and go. I will see you back here tomorrow. Unfortunately, we didn't have our special guest today. We thought we were going to be joined uh, curbside today from one of our, uh, our founding members here. But unfortunately, he was not able to make it. So perhaps next week I'll have to call him back on the phone and see if I can work something out with him. Tomorrow, we will be sitting down with the always popular fan favorite, Marty Foster. So tomorrow, you don't want to miss it. Bruce, I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening.